You're listening to Q Marriage Mentors with Jeff Lutz, a podcast featuring conversations with remarkable lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender couples. What makes great relationships work? Jeff will ask the questions. You'll hear the answers. Together, we'll learn. Hey, everybody. Jeff here. And today I have the pleasure of talking with Dottie Berry and Robbie Sapp from Blaine, Washington. Dottie is the CEO of Epic Health and Wellness Communications, and Robbie is the CEO of Cascadia Clinical Research, and they've been together for 16 years. Dottie, Robbie, thank you so much for joining us. Jeff, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Jeff. You're welcome, and thank you. Um, Tell me a little bit about how you met and how your coming out stories might be similar or different. Well, we'll we'll start with how we met. Um, It was December of 2001. It was actually December 8th, 2001, when we met in Louisville, Kentucky. And the summer of 2001, I had been, um, I had gone to a, a gay Christian conference in Denver. And it was my first time of being anywhere where I could be authentic. And um, I I virtually snuck out of my little conservative evangelical town of Linden, Washington, and didn't tell anyone where I was going. I didn't even tell my partner at the time where I was going because she was a Christian school teacher, and she would be freaked that I was going to this. Well, at that conference, um, I heard Mary Lou and Bob Walner tell their story of losing their daughter, Anna, to suicide. And I was so moved by their story that I thought, you know, if the, this Christian mother and father can can come to a new understanding, maybe my parents would accept me and come to a new understanding too. Well, we ended up developing a relationship, a really close friendship, and stayed in touch, uh, Mary Lou and Bob and I did. And when I got back from that Christian conference, I just knew that I wouldn't be able to go home and continue lying. I had been hiding and lying for 18 years and in two different uh, six-year-long relationships during that time, but all closeted. So Mary Lou said, why don't you come out and stay with us in Chicago um, and be in a loving, safe environment while you learn to tell the truth about yourself? So I went to my boss and I told him that I had been lying to him for 18 years and that here's my truth. And I wasn't sure how that was going to work in my life because I didn't know how to tell the truth about who I was and still survive everything. I felt I would lose my family, my church, my friends, everything. So I left work and took a leave of absence for six weeks and went out and stayed with Mary Lou and Bob. And during that time, they just loved on me and supported me and gave me opportunities to meet other gay people of faith. And it was absolutely incredible. Well, during that time, an opportunity arose for me to go visit a friend. Um, It was actually a woman that I had had an affair with while I was with my previous partner um, down in um, Kentucky. And uh, it was very platonic at that point in time. And Mary Lou said, well, I would love to go with you because my best friend Dottie Berry lives in Kentucky. And it would be great to have a girls weekend. And in my mind at that point in time, I was thinking that Dottie Berry was a little old gray haired lady. (laughs) 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 So when we, when I met her, 
uh, I was quite surprised um, and blown away by her beauty and her energy. Long story short, we connected that weekend, but had no idea and no inkling that anything would go further than that. You know, I wasn't interested in a relationship and Dottie was just dating other people. Well, we really had a great connection and we, we about three months later, got in touch via email because Dottie was really um, out there with um, writing articles for magazines and speaking about being a gay person of faith and living authentically. And so she was my real resource for how to do this. And at one point in time, she said, well, um, how about if I call you on Sunday? Well, that Sunday comes around and this had been three months since we had spoken. And I answer the phone, you know, expecting Dottie at a certain time. And this voice at the, on the other end of the phone said, honey, how do you feel about dating older women? And I said, what? Oh. She said, this is Mary Lou. I'm like, where is this coming from? She said, I just woke up and had this epiphany this morning. And I thought, Dottie's my best friend on the East. You're my best friend on the West. And you would make a beautiful couple. And I said, have you talked to Dottie about this? She said, yeah, I just got off the phone from her. So then Dottie can pick up with what Mary Lou said to her. Well, it was pretty funny because you have to understand um, my story is different from Robbie's, just very quickly as a preface to it. I was out before Ellen was in, which was a really <laughs> long time ago. And so I had been living authentically in kind of for the opposite reasons. Robbie, uh, you know, felt compelled to stay in the closet because of her church. And my church and family said you should be honest at all costs. Well, I didn't know that was a joke until I did that and then found out the consequences. But it was too late then. And it really helped me to stand on what they taught me. Because even in the space of them not accepting me at that time, I was able to live a life that most gay people my age, I'll be 65 on September 8th this year, have not lived, which was a really free and wonderful life, no matter where I was. And that was in Lexington, Kentucky. So anyway, back to Mary Lou, um, the reason I was calling Robbie, I had been in a 16-year relationship, you know, long-term, and broke up in 96. So at this point in 99, I just had decided I was just dating different people, you know. And one looked like it might be promising. And when Robbie asked me how that one was going, that's when I said, oh, too much to tell y'all, call you on the phone. And when I called her, I said, well, you know what? I just gave it my all, but it didn't work out. But you know what? I'm going to go out there and I'm going to I'm going to love bigger and better next time. I'm just going to put my heart out there. You know, it wasn't like I was going to recall in fear. And there was something that she thought was intriguing about that. But when Mary Lou called me and she said, honey, how do you feel about dating younger women? I was like, Mary Lou, I know right where you're going with this. And the answer is no. That girl is just out of the closet, and I've seen that before. I'm not raising another one. You know, <laughs> I mean, seriously, I had never seen anybody. You know, I coached people, you know, for many years before what I do now and uh, worked with people in relationship, and I was like, there's no way. I mean, she's good-looking. I liked her energy, but I see people, you know, come out two steps, go back three, come out four, go back five, you know, but I just didn't – anyway – to make a long story short, we thought, uh, well, we'll just, you know, I'll have to talk to her when, when we have this call. And so when I finally called her, I said, let's talk about the elephant in the living room. We know, we both know Mary Lou 
called us this morning and Mary Lou said she felt God was speaking to her. I said, well, why didn't God just ringy ding me up personally and ask me about it, Mary Lou? <laughs> and uh, so anyway, we decided to appease Mary Lou. We would say, well, if we're ever in the same town, we'll go out for dinner, like a dinner date. Well, we were 3,000 miles away. We didn't figure that was going to happen. So the bottom line is we started talking that day for an hour and a half or so. Two and a half hours. Two and a half hours, okay. Specifically. And and then, specifically, yeah. And then we kept talking every day. And then finally, six months later, I moved out to Plain, Washington. And now we've been married three times. Three times. Three times to each other. Tell me about that. Well, we got married first in um, March of 2004 when Multnomah County in Oregon uh, opened it up. And I was going down to Portland. Well, actually, both of us were going to Portland. I had a photography conference. And so when we found out like the day before that Multnomah County was going to start issuing marriage licenses to same uh, sex couples, we thought we have to do this, even though when we come back across the state line, we're not going to have any rights in Washington but this is groundbreaking and we have to do it if for no other reason, just for history making. So we uh, had to find a minister down there to marry us. And the neat story about that was that one of my really close friends of, of many years, uh, when I finally came out to her, um, she told me, and I was just, I, I just didn't know how to, to do this. And I was crying one day and she was like, Rob, what is wrong? Are you okay? So I was like, Oh, I, uh, I'm I'm gay. Anyway, so I was scared to tell her, even though she was a really close friend. But she said, "Honey, she said you need to talk to your to my dad." And I said, "He," she said, "He's a minister." I said, "I don't need to talk to a minister. I know what he's going to say." She said, "No, you don't understand. My dad's different, and his name is Bernie Turner, and he's a um, retired minister." of an American Baptist church. And he has done his homework and he's been on the front lines for equality for many years now. And so she gave me his phone number. We called him and he was beyond thrilled to perform our wedding. So we got our license. And then that next Sunday morning after church, they had gone to church and then we went out to lunch and then Roz, his wife left lunch early and she said, I got to go home. I've got a wedding to set up for. So we got back to their house and they had cake and nuts and mints from their church. and invited people from their church. And we had a real wedding in their living room. And it was the most beautiful thing. I'm telling you what, it was just incredible. And, it sounds like it. Oh, it was just, it was really wonderful. And then, but at that point in time, we had already had our kind of big wedding that we had planned. It was the wedding that I thought I would never be able to have because, I mean, how would I, I didn't even think I could live authentically, let alone get married. And uh, so that was the same year, but in July. And so we thought, well, since Oregon wasn't legal, uh, it won't be legal here. Let's still go ahead and, you know, do our spiritual ceremony since we'd already planned it and everything. So that was where 130 of our friends uh, and a few family members came. Um, But no one from our, um, you know, like our parents wouldn't come. And um, my sister came and some dear cousins um, but but most of most of the uh, attendants was was were friends, which was just an amazing time. Then our third wes- wedding was after we got back from our gay and straight America journey. It was in, on Thanksgiving Day, uh, two thousand six, and we thought that would be a great uh, day for a wedding because we were so grateful for having come this far 
despite the hurdles that we had uh, to go through. And the interesting there thing there is that's the wedding that actually ended up making us legal in the United States. At the time, our neighbors were upset because they went to Canada and got married and reciprocal agreement kicked in. So they were legally married in the United States. But of course, our government refused that for us. And so when Washington State actually uh, legalized, you know, marriage for us, we went and got a license, but um, we didn't do it at the time because we were going through some financial things and it just didn't make sense for us to tie it up legally as we were going through these things. So when the Supreme Court finally passed, now we, we got that license and we enjoyed having that history, you know, uh, part, but we just let it expire. So that was not legal. So when the Supreme Court finally passed it for all the states, reciprocal agreement kicked in for our Canadian wedding. And we looked at each other and we went, ah, we're married because we had planned to get married in Washington again, because we've never seen a wedding we didn't like, Jeff, especially <laughs> one of ours. Yes. <laughs> and you've had several. Yeah. Robbie, you mentioned gay into straight America. Can you speak about what that was like and, and what that was? We took a year-long journey in a purple suburban with a 1984 Cerro Scotty trailer that we had, both vehicles had been given to us. And we just decided at one point that, like Dottie always says, our country's better than this. What happened to, to spur our journey was uh, an issue that we encountered in our neighborhood after we had our um, big wedding. And our neighbors all knew that we were getting married. And we had, uh, you know, we had been walking around the neighborhood holding hands. We had just moved into this neighborhood. Well, after the wedding... Um, and we had lots of friends in, um, you know, from other parts of the country. And so there was lots of activity in and out of our house that weekend. And after the wedding, I came home from work one day and um, I just felt this cloud, this dark cloud of energy. And I walked into the house and I asked Dottie, is there something going on around here? Because I don't, some, something's not right. I feel it. And she said, well, not that I know of. And so we got on the phone and called one of our friends who was kind of like the, the HOA manager of the neighborhood. And uh, she said, well, I hate to have this conversation with you. We're like, what? And she said, there's been talk of too much gay activity in the neighborhood. And there's talk of a petition being started to oust you guys. And this happens to be a lesbian who was telling us this. Well, I broke down in tears. I said, I can't even believe this. You know, here we move into, we buy this house. We move into this neighborhood that we thought was very welcoming. And now we've got this. And I was just, you know, dissolving into a puddle of my own tears. And Dottie took me by the shoulders and looked at me square in the eye. And she said, honey, this is a cry for love. And I have got a lot of love to give. She said, if we meet their fear with our own fear, we're going to live in a blind neighborhood. And if, and I did not move here to live in a blind neighborhood. So the next morning, Dottie, instead of going to her desk to work, went to the grocery store and came home with bundles of long stem red roses. And she proceeded to spend her entire morning knocking on every door in that neighborhood. And when they answered, she presented the rose and gave them an invitation to dinner at our house. Well, she didn't get any answers that day. 
So she said, everyone's got a different learning style. So we made this note card up and at the bottom of the note card, it said, how can we change the world if we don't know our neighbors? Please come over to our house on Sunday for dinner. And she went, knocked on all the doors and left the cards. Well, that next Sunday, everybody <clears throat> was there. Our place was just crawling with people. And it was a beautiful transformation from fear to love. And all because Dottie took that uh, action. And we thought, if this can happen in our own little neighborhood, this can happen anywhere. We've got to go around the country and start telling people about how when you engage hearts and minds and make, create authentic connections, everything can change. But the other thing that happened, too, is Robbie read an article in Advocate magazine about Lars Clausen, who is a Lutheran minister and in a journey straight into gay America. Well, somehow we thought he did it for a year. So we decided we would do ours for a year and told all our friends. And by the time we found that he did it for six months, it was too late. We'd already told our friends. <laughs> I, I think and it was actually six weeks. <laughs> oh, six weeks. I think you're right. Anyway, it wasn't a year. And we were like, what are we going to do now? Well, we're going to go for a year. We've already told everybody. And we didn't even have a vehicle to go with. And that's how the Suburban ended up being donated to us. And then the 13-foot trailer and off we went, you know, and just having a the time of our life talking to people. And, and our whole intention was to engage hearts and minds, to create authentic connections, and to transcend differences that separate us. And Jeff, I have to say, we thought we would never have to really pull out those tools in our tool bag anymore. And we find ourselves doing that every day still. Still. And it's been a great lesson for us that this is how life can be lived and can be lived in an exciting manner. Because people would say, oh, I bet you you went around and you told your story. You had them listen. I said, oh, no, 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 no. So you need to understand, we had to listen to their story first. If they said, you're going to hell, we'd say, and how long have you felt that way? You know, so soul force, Jeff, as you know, is so important in helping both of us learn what it means uh, to live and do things nonviolently helped um, helped us in this process to be prepared for such a journey. Had it not I'm been for Soul Force, neither one of us had, would have never been prepared for the journey that we took and were able to do. How many states did you go to? All but Just, four, I think. Uh, yeah, we didn't go to Alaska. We, we didn't, didn't go, go to, to Hawaii. Hawaii. Darn, that would have been fun. Yeah, it would have been fun. No, I, I think I would have just changed it gay to Maui and left it at that. <laughs> I know. It. Hey, that's a great idea. And just spent our whole year there. Yeah. yeah. The well, most amazing people, uh, friends that we still have today. We just got back from a friend's home in Spokane, in fact, that we met on the journey. They weren't even at their home. And they were at their cabin in, in Montana and said, but we insist you stay here. So we did. That's the kind of things that happen. We, we made lifelong friends. Amazing. Gals, in, in doing my research, I understand that the two of you as a couple have been through a number of challenges that, quite frankly, might have derailed most couples, gay or straight. Uh, do you mind talking about that for a little while? Yeah, you know, Jeff, um, I call it the top three. And people always say, what do you mean? I said, well, what do you think the top three are? Anyway, they're AAB, affair, addiction, and bankruptcy. 
And wow. We feel at this point, since we've been through all three, there's nothing <laughs> that we can't really get through together. And that's our commitment. Uh, we didn't say it was already always going to be perfect. And I think that was hard for some people because people want to put you on a pedestal. We didn't ask to be put there. And um, that's not our intention at all. So we have very transparently shared this with people so they can understand it. I wouldn't choose these three uh, to make your relationship stronger. But if you're willing to to go through these things together, they absolutely can make you stronger. So I'll let Robbie kind of pick up. Right. I mean, I used to say I wish that I could have learned those lessons uh, uh maybe a less painful way. Like maybe I could have just, you know, broken an ankle or something, but <laughs> it it wasn't that, you know, we had to go through these doozies and, um, but yeah, we feel it's given us a great sense of, um, uh, stability and security in knowing that since we have been through such rough, rough patches, um, we can't imagine that anything would, hinder us uh, moving forward we you know and and what happened was we went when we got back from the journey I had an affair during the gay and straight America journey of all times it was a very vulnerable time for me initially Mm -hmm. because I had um, left my career to do this journey and it wasn't a really great, uh, friendly parting with my employer. There was some misunderstandings. And, and I felt my identity as a medical career person um, was compromised, just in the sense that I was like, we had a great mission and a great purpose for the journey. But I felt like, now what am I going to do? Okay, we're going out speaking and we're you know, meeting people and making a difference in that way. But I felt like my making a difference in the, my career path, uh, that was kind of my identity. And I didn't know how to do. So I fell into a little bit of a depression um, at the first part of that journey. And, you know, that started affecting our intimacy. And then one thing led to another. We met this person on the road and this person was a Christian and she was struggling with her faith and her sexuality. And, and so Dottie said, I think this is something for you, Robbie, because this, you guys have had similar struggles. Well, unfortunately, I um, let my guard down and started a emotional affair initially with this person, um, you know, via phone and email, that kind of thing. And then um, it, we'll, we met them on the journey and then more things happened and it was a disaster. But when we got... You know what, Jeff? Well, interestingly enough, everything kind of came to a head when we were at focus on the family during the Soul Force thing. That's when Dottie found out about the affair. And um, at after we, this lady and I were caught, um, Dottie, she came up to me uh, out back of the hotel, across from Focus, and she wrapped me up in her arms and held me tight. And she said, Robbie, here's what you have to know. I love you. And I am committed to you. She says, but now, and I want to spend the rest of my life with you. But she said, now is when you need to be gut level honest with me. And if you want to spend the rest of your life with me, we have work to do. And Mm -hmm. so when we got back from that, um, 
that time, we signed up for a John and Julie Gottman um, seminar. It was a weekend in, in Seattle, and it was called The Art and Science of Love. I'll mm-hmm. tell you what, Jeff, that was the most powerful weekend that we had. And it was perfect timing because we had just come from this devastating situation. And we learned so many t- things. We, we, we gained some great tools mm-hmm. to add to our toolbox. And one of the things, and we still pull those tools yeah. out, we still use them. And that was in 2006. So it's been 12 years since we did that. And we still yeah. ride from the things that we learned uh, during that time. But one of the things that John always says, and uh, I'm sure that you work with this and offer this all the time too, Jeff, is that you need to put more into your bank account than you're taking out. Dottie says it better than I do. No, it's just talking about, you know, um, you build up your emotional bank account. And so when something goes wrong, see, Robbie and I really had an abundance in that account. We really did. Mm-hmm. And so because of my training and my doctorate work in human sexuality, if this had happened 10 years prior, I wouldn't have even known how to deal with it. It had been all about, oh, you did this to me. You've got to go and I've got to get out of here. But it allowed my training allowed me to step back and see it for what it was. But what I did need to know is, look, if you really don't want to be with me, get gut level honest and tell me that I'm a big girl. I'll put on my big girl panties, you know, <laughs> and I won't like this, but. I will I will be okay, Robbie. You need to know that. Yeah. And yeah, we went from there. Yep. Yeah. And then and then the alcohol addiction rose its ugly head. And um at the time we were going through bankruptcy, serious financial problems. We had um lost everything in the housing crisis. And um at we didn't have medical insurance at the time. We didn't have money. And so I couldn't go to the doctor because we couldn't afford it. And so the easiest thing to relieve my pain and anxiety, I struggled with a lot of anxiety and panic disorder. The easiest thing for me to do was to medicate with alcohol. And unfortunately, that was a disaster too. Um, But again, when Dottie found out about that, she found some empty vodka bottles. And when she found out about when, you know, I told her, I said, I've, I've got a problem. And so she said, well, we're going to we're going to work through this. And um, so she said, you know, I'm here from you. I'm not going anywhere, but we're going to get to the bottom of this and I'm going to help you through it. And she's just been just a huge support. Never, you know, through all of this, never threatening that she's going to leave, never lecturing me, just constant support and encouragement. Um, well, one thing I will say, Jeff, is that those years in the closet for her, just like I think with anybody, make them runners. <laughs> that means yeah. run away from any tough situation. Yeah. The and fire we, we had the famous shower scene and uh, where she in ran into the showers. She thought she could escape and I ripped the shower curtain back. I said, look, you can run all you want. But we're still going to have to talk when you get out of the shower, no matter what the situation was. So we learned to do that. Uh, And I told her in these situations, you know, if you think you can do something that will make me run, that's not going to happen. I've gone through enough experiences now uh, in my life because, trust me, I've not always been the, the, the one on the right side of things. I had an affair with my partner when we were together 16 years because I didn't have the courage 
to speak truth to her. And I hurt somebody really, really bad. And I swore that, you know, I, you know, I knew what that felt like to do that with somebody. Yeah. Else. And so I was able to kind of take a step back. Well, wow. I, I so appreciate your honest sharing and your vulnerability today. We're almost at the end of our time. But, you know, as I was listening, I was thinking how amazed I am that not only have you survived, you almost seem to have thrived despite <laughs> your challenges. So what advice might you give younger LGBT couples uh, very quickly? What would you say to them? What are the golden nuggets about surviving and thriving and building strength and resilience in your relationship? Um, you know, I think one thing we learned at the Gottman weekend is they reminded us that every relationship has some type of irreconcilable difference. So if the grass looks greener on the other side, you're still going to encounter some type of irreconcilable difference. It's just going to yes. be a new and different one. So for Robbie and I, our process is really different about how we approach things. I'm a big picture person. I see I'm visionary. She sees, as she says, every tree in the forest and every knot on that tree. So although our processes are different, our values are in alignment. And I think that's the most important thing. If, if, if you don't have similar values, it's going to be really challenging to make it through the tough times. Yeah. And Dottie always makes me laugh. And that's, that's a very, very good thing. Even when she's not intending to make me laugh, she makes me laugh. I'm and so goofy. One thing that I love to do is, and I've been doing it for years, is um, leaving her. Yes. Notes. So whenever I leave on a trip, I travel a lot for my work. Whenever I leave on a trip, I find a new place for her to discover a little love note. And it always makes her cry. Yeah. And another thing that's really <laughs> been a great stability, uh, stabilizing factor as long as uh, in a, in a relationship builder and sustainer and just a lot of fun is that we read together in the hot tub every morning. And I read out loud to Dottie. Yeah. And that's just been part of the glue that has kept us together. One more thing I will end with is that journey getting to straight America was two women and a poodle, our poodle Riley Joy. And now we lost her and we have Bailey Joy. But we keep a great standard poodle in our relationship because the agreement is if either of us decides to leave, the one who decides to leave doesn't get the dog. <laughs> now, Jeff, that'll make yeah. you toe the line every day. <laughs> what a creative way to stay together. That's yeah. amazing. Dottie, Robbie, it's been such a pleasure to speak with you today. And I know our listeners have learned a lot just by listening to your honesty and your vulnerability. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, Jeff, it was our pleasure. You always do such a great job with bringing community together. I'm really grateful for these podcasts you're doing. Thank you, Thank Jeff. We sure appreciate the opportunity. Do you know any LGBT couples with interesting stories and wisdom to share on the show? Jeff would love to meet them. So please contact him through the website at qmarriagementors.com. Until next time, thanks for listening and have a great week.